Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, March 20th, 2020. And on today's report, I will be talking about, guess what? Yes, that's right, the virus, the plague year, the one we're currently in, the virus that the World Health Organization tells us should be called COVID-19, a politically correct term to keep us from labeling it Wuhan flu, Kung flu, or some other such name. All virus, all the time right now, we are all worried about survival, physical survival, and economic survival. All those names for the virus, they're all racist in today's world, so we can't use them for our purposes. I will refer to it as coronavirus, or simply the virus, even though I know That name is not specific enough to be technically correct. I know that you all know what I'm talking about when I say the virus. The title of today's report was taken from Daniel Defoe's book, A Journal of the Plague Year, published in 1725 by Daniel Defoe. I first read Mr. Defoe's book in high school, but it is a stark reminder that what we are going through in our world today has happened before. It is an account of the year 1665 in the city of London and the struggles of that city's residents to survive the bubonic plague which swept across Europe. They called it the Black Death. Wagons came down the street each morning with the driver calling out for people to send out your dead. They didn't understand the virus back then. They just knew It was killing them. The story is a narrative form, complete with graphs, charts, government documents. It's a fascinating study. And many of the things Mr. Defoe tells us about London are happening again today. At the time, humanity had no microscopes, no idea where the plague was coming from. The prevailing theory was that it was God's wrath on sinful humanity. The plague was far more terrible, lethal, than our virus today. But our virus has an advantage that the old bubonic plague in old Europe did not have. Our virus can occur in Wuhan, China, or Milan, Italy, or San Francisco, and board an airplane and reappear anywhere in the world within hours. If the 1665 plague had jet airplanes, perhaps... There would be no humanity today, but then microscopes, especially electron microscopes, reveal the invisible world of disease to us. However, we're not here to discuss 1665 Europe. We're here to discuss 2020 America, here in America. Everything was going along just fine. My law firm was more profitable than it had been for quite a while. I was optimistic for the first time in months. I just talked to a friend who runs a bookstore in another city. She said she was having a great year, but now it looks like she will soon be closed. My law firm will be working from home with reduced staff after today, so everything is okay until it isn't. This spring, hopeful and renewing, as always, brings pestilence and death as well as flowers. They used to bring us bread in the circus. But now, with all sports and all concerts canceled, it's just bread. We shelter at home to eat it once it was March Madness, now just simply madness. Is it true that lives of ordinary Americans can be destroyed almost immediately by someone eating a bat in China? 
That whole concept seems ludicrous on its face, but there is a real virus that came from somewhere. My wife's cousin, a world-renowned physician and expert in infectious diseases and leader in the effort to treat HIV and the AIDS virus, is now positive for the coronavirus. So we can conclude it is real. A perfectly legitimate question is, where did it come from? How did it get here? There are a few choices we can look at, but first, let me say I have no expertise or training in the medical or scientific fields that would give me any insight. I try to use logic and apply that to the events that I see and read about each day. The first choice in this that the virus jumped from animals to humans at a fresh foods market in Wuhan, China, correspondingly. It spread all over China, then got on an airplane and infected the whole world. That is actually the story we are expected to believe. Any other version puts us into a conspiracy nut category, but there are other possibilities. The second possibility is that the Chinese were working on bat viruses at their bioweapons lab located, coincidentally, in Wuhan, China. And one somehow escaped, one virus that is, one weapon, somehow escaped into the local population to substantiate that view. I saw pictures early on of scientists supposedly working with bat viruses in that lab, that very lab. Several of them were not even wearing masks. That version is often accompanied by the added narrative of Chinese agents stealing various virus samples from level four labs. Probably in Canada, if China or anyone else wanted to make a bioweapon, we are sometimes told they could make one a lot more lethal than the coronavirus, so why wouldn't they? Well, the answer under that view is that it was intended as an economic weapon, only coincidental to human survival and human destruction. If that version were true, the damage to the Chinese and American economies would be clear evidence of it. The third possibility is that it is a bioweapon, but it was introduced into China and Iran by another country, most likely the United States. Why would the Americans do such an evil thing? Well, to damage the Chinese economy, I guess, to give them a painful lesson. And who runs this world? Why choose a weapon that damages your own people and your own economy? Collateral damage, I guess, would be the answer. Sometimes you have to be willing to take casualties to win the battle. To capture the hill, you must be willing to see people die. The fourth possibility is some plan by the Malthusian elite out there in this world somewhere to thin the human population and control the ones who are left to make that explanation possible and plausible. You don't have to kill everyone, just the undesirables. Who are the undesirables? The elderly, of course. How many times have you read or heard someone say it's nothing because it only kills those over 65, those in poor health? It's a concern to me, though, because both my wife and I are over 65, but thanks God we are in good health. Possibility number four is at least an interesting coincidence. At the exact time that socialized health care or what the Democrats would call Medicare, is being advocated. Along comes a virus to help with one of the biggest problems. Michael Bloomberg, in one of the Democrat debates, told us that free health care was not affordable for all. So the term all would have to be defined. If you're old, he said, 
have prostate cancer, for example, we might have to say, I'm sorry, we can't help you. One may wonder why the government would concoct a plan whereby the most vulnerable among us would also be the most costly, but that's easy to explain. The hospital beds, especially the ICU beds, are all full. So I'm sorry, elderly American, go home and die. We, we can't help you. But that triage has happened already in other countries, and according to the world-renowned physician I mentioned earlier, is in danger of coming here, so the most expensive, least productive, and coincidentally, traditionally, the most conservative, are killed off, weakened, frightened into hiding out in their homes until the bank finally forecloses on their homes. Whether the fourth possibility exists in someone's mind or not, the effects on the elderly are the same. I will be transferring my law firm to work-at-home status today with a reduced staff, I fear, for my employees and my clients. I want to protect them as this contagion gets worse. But I'm also one of those high-risk individuals, so I must hide out, shelter in place in my home for a while. 100 years of relentless anti-God propaganda in our schools and in the media has destroyed God in America. He's no longer available for us to look to for deliverance. Our churches closing the government's mandated meeting size limits as government exerts its authority over the church and over God. Pastors encourage their congregations to listen via live stream. What if somebody cuts off the live stream? Well, that destroys the enemy of intimacy of worship. <clears throat> don't you worry, though. You don't need God anymore because you have government. Government will be there to save you. If the government destroys your business, that is in the process of destroying mine and my friend's bookstore, well, government will let you apply for an SBA loan in an attempt to pay your employees under the draconian, unrealistic rules set by that very government for no other reason than to punish and destroy small business. Where the majority of people work soon, unless the direction changes, those employees will no longer be happy, productive citizens, proud of their work, just raising their families in peace. They will become wards of the state, which is apparently the ultimate destination the government has for all of us. What does our government have in store for our future? I could only guess, but using logic and evidence, I can make an educated guess. Triage in the virus hospitals, whereby the elderly will not get treated or even tested. Mandatory vaccination when a vaccine is available, which should be in a few months. The vaccine will undoubtedly kill more people than the virus, but to refuse it will get you ostracized by society unable to buy or sell, possibly arrested, full destruction of the dollar in the American economy as we are seeing it now. If the government wants to inject a couple of trillion dollars into banks and failing corporations, which it is doing now, there must be no problem with debt or future interest payments. So things must be irrelevant. The airlines say, look, we need $50 billion to save us, and the government says, okay, here it is. When small business complains about the unworkable requirements placed on it, we're told just apply for an SBA loan. In three to four weeks, you'll be considered. Maybe you'll get one. The government proposes to send, quote, some people $2,000. It seems that government would not make that universal benevolence. 
and the term person would have to be defined to send out that free, unearned money. Must mean that debt and interest are irrelevant. Destruction of value is a false concept. Therefore, I ask, why only a thousand or two? Why don't I get mine? Why am I in the category that says, no, you can't have any? If those assumptions are true, why not $1 million, as the MSNBC host, who was mathematically challenged, suggested the conclusion must be that government is sitting on a huge pile of money. Only greed uh, causes them to refuse to give us to us. Just give us that money. After all, debt is irrelevant. Interest is irrelevant. Value can't be destroyed. Why give us only a thousand or two? Why not a million? A million would really help me, folks. Whoever we elect, we'll get it. I promise you for that. As H.L. Mencken said, democracy is the theory that the average person knows what he wants and deserves to get it good and hard. So we're going to get it. Politicians on both sides of the aisle missed their chance to emerge from all this madness as statesmen and stateswomen, I guess we should say. Their lust for power clouds clouds everything they do and say until the only thing they know is how to get power, how to keep it. In the Cuban, Cuban Missile Crisis days, back when John Kennedy was president, you heard people on the other side of the aisle say, look, folks, we're in a national crisis here. I support the president and what he's trying to do once this is over. We can argue about it. We can argue about whether it was the best course or not. But right now, it's the course America's on. No more statesmen, though. No more states of women. Just power-mad politicians. Perhaps the virus will become so bad worldwide, the whole world will scream in unison for a new form of government to save humanity. Give us your surveillance. Give us your armies to protect us. I can certainly see that as a possibility. The rights that have been taken from us to fight the virus as an emergency. Perhaps they're gone forever. No more privacy. Free speech, free assembly, all gone. We're told to shelter in our homes. Not even churches are open. We can't communicate with each other anymore. There is no intimacy. Perhaps I'm wrong to be so critical of government efforts. Our leaders have proven themselves. However, to be lying, power-mad hypocrites for so long, I find it difficult to ever believe them. But people I know and trust, people who are medically and scientifically trained, have pointed out to me that we are in extreme danger. It all hangs in the balance right now over the next couple of weeks. If we're fighting World War C, as they tell us, then I apologize. I apologize for being so critical. We'll watch and we'll see. We'll wait if there's anything at all positive from all this. It could be that this virus kills what our power-mad Malthusian elite tell us we must have, and that's a new world order the virus seems to be abating in China, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Singapore, and some other countries. Russia closed its borders early and has hardly been touched by the virus. Sometimes open borders are not such a good thing, I guess. After all, in fact, the entire set of rules we set up to make this a completely interconnected, interdependent world may not be such a good thing. After all, maybe those oceans really are a blessing from God for our protection. In conclusion, do we have people on this earth, in this country, wicked and evil enough to do the things I've been talking about today? I'm afraid so, folks. I'm afraid the answer is yes, because in 6,000 years of recorded human history, 
Virtually everything has changed dramatically except human nature. We humans are just as wicked, conniving, and power-mad as we were 6,000 years ago, perhaps more so, because technological advances makes evil easier. Finally, folks, from a personal perspective, this virus will probably prevent me from attending the funeral of my last brother. Out of eight siblings, only my sister and I are left, but it seems the virus will keep me from paying honor to my family. If that were enough, it would be plenty. There's more. I have another loved one stuck by the virus on the other side of the world, unable to get home. Sometimes these things are personal. I'm sure they are for many people. They probably are for you. Could these sacrifices turn out to be very small skirmishes in a very big war? Yes, they could, as this contagion could get out of hand quickly. Let's do our best, take the necessary action. Pray for deliverance. At least that's the way I see it, folks. Until next time, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.